Before I get to today's podcast, I have to offer up two quick apologies. First is the usual for taking so frigging long to edit and post this podcast. For that, I have no excuse. I can only promise to do my best to do better in the future. The second is sort of ironic. In this episode, we talk primarily about music. So of course this would be the first podcast where you'll find the sound quality to be atrocious. That's my fault. I made a mistake during the recording of our discussion that created a lot of noise and echo. Rather than try to re-record the podcast from scratch, I decided to try and correct it on the back end. I don't really know how successful I was. I suspect I just ended up mixing up one annoying effect with another. Hopefully you won't find it too annoying and distracting so that you'll be able to enjoy what I thought was a really interesting discussion on the history of music and music theory. So without further ado, here's our third episode on the topic of what makes music great. The song is just a song, it is just a song, it's just a pretty song. It's just a bunch of notes, I play for you with a catchy melody. Stop trying to search for meaning when you know that there is nothing there. There's no grand point, so let it just be a song. Just let it be a song. I'm Callan. I'm Katie. And this is Jimmy. And today we'll be talking about what makes music great. Jimmy, could you, could you have yeah, a so schedule? I can, I can start off with uh, just a general discussion of like uh, the reason why I picked this topic um, was because, um, you know, I kind of felt that um, it's such an important part in our lives, just uh, music in general, that um, it, it warrants some, some type of discussion, some sort of exploration. Um, and I just recall that um, there was this, this quote, it's something that, that um, uh, you shared with me, Kellen, in, in one of uh, Kurt Vonnegut's um, books. And um, let me see if I can actually quote that correctly. But uh, it, I think it, it spoke to uh, very well um, what you know, the general feeling behind, uh, behind music is and how it impacts our lives. So um, what he said was, uh, if I should ever die, God forbid, let this be on my epitaph. The only proof he needed for the existence of God was music. Um, I do believe he's passed away, and I'm not sure whether that's on his epitaph or not, but, um, you know. Yeah, he died a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he did. I don't remember when exactly it was, but he's passed. Yeah, I was very sad. He's okay. one of my well, favorite writers. He died April 11th. Um, but I don't agree with them on that. <laughs> you don't agree that that's the only, that that's the only proof you need for the existence of God? Well, I mean, maybe it is. I mean, I can't disagree that it's the only proof he needs. I just, <laughs> I mean, I think it's a very low standard of proof if that's all he needs. Well, he was a writer who's being poetic. I know. You know. Yeah. You know how those fruit fruit archetypes are. <laughs> Okay, but do you think that if there was 
ever, let's say, um, I wouldn't say a trial, but um, some sort of like very comprehensive evaluation of the existence of God that, you know, some, somewhere on this checklist of things to look at um, on the pro side, pro-God side, is music. Well, I'm sure that the lawyers on the pro-God side will bring up music. And it might hurt, quote, hurt But they're still going to lose if that's their main argument. Uh, it's just, it's just not a very good argument. It's like the complexity argument, or like that the universe is so complex, therefore God exists, or, uh, but not a very good argument. <laughs> it's just, it's always a fairly bad argument. <laughs> okay, so uh, before we actually digress into the, the whole like, bigger topic, the argument of um, to discuss topic of the existence of God. Um, so back to back to music. Uh, so let's try. Um, I, I think the, the suggestion that um, something to add of, of just going through a brief history of music. Um, I think might set up the stage better for us to, to you know really look at it and evaluate what parts of it makes great. You know, and also comparing um, maybe eras of music and types of music where we might feel that one you know is is has stronger meaning than the other, or you know, whatever it is that we make the determination, um, that measure of determination um, of, of, of what's, uh, what's great about music. Um, I, I think I'd like to switch the order of the things that I originally planned on. Um, so uh, I think I had the, the okay, the, the, the exercise that I suggested was um, that there was a list of um, uh, genres of music that I had put up on the wiki. Yeah. Uh, and I just updated that recently um, to be a little bit more comprehensive. Um, and how I compiled this list was I just did a bunch of research on Wikipedia. Um, I was a little bit selective because some of the genres seemed like they were just like small little fine like versions of, of rock and versions of like other music. So I just um, highlighted certain key ones um, that I think is is all like if you mention that word that people would know what uh, you're talking about. Um, but I thought it would be a worthwhile exercise if we just, um, within this group, just came up with like a tagline or a one-sentence uh, mission statement that says specifically what that um, type of genre wants to convey, either the mood or you know the the, the message behind it. Um, and hopefully we can actually get that get through that list in a relatively um, uh, concise time frame. Yeah, this was your homework. I have a confession. <laughs> I didn't do my homework at all. <laughs> Wait, so are we just talking about the highlighted ones? Uh, I think they are all highlighted. Uh, yeah, just the highlighted ones, and then I just added in the non-highlighted part, highlighted parts. Um, I just put in a brief description of uh, where they, like when the time frame they came um, into play, and um, their origins, and uh, one or two representatives of, of of the music, so at least um, I could have better gauge, like, you know, this version of, of rock versus this other version. Okay. Okay, so um, when they kick it off, then, like, um, the first couple on this list um, span really far back, um, and then there seems like there's a huge explosion of concentration of different types of music at the end. So um, to begin, um, just chronologically, um, Renaissance is the first on the list, um, then there's Baroque music, and then there's Classical, and after Classical is Romantic. Now, when I just looked at, 
was researching this on Wikipedia, all of these seemed like they were, but to me, I won't be able to tell the difference necessarily. I'm not sure how, how each one of them are distinguished, except for perhaps just the time frame and maybe the, um, the composer. Yeah, they kind of seem broken up in the same way as art period. So I think if you listen to the different types enough, you would be able to differentiate but to someone who doesn't really listen to much classical or, um, they all pretty much sound the same. And I think that the, your general person on the street would all classify that other classical too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, well, we don't call it classical if it doesn't have any words. They're like, oh, there's no words, that's classical. <laughs> <laughs> all right. As opposed to instrumental? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know people call, like, some, like, composers who do music for, like, video games. So the the message that I came up with, um, it seemed like all four of these, um, it, it was the first real um, realization, I think, that people um, found that music brings us closer to God. And so this is, I think, um, a little bit true toward um, the Vonnegut's quote, is that when you listen to some of these, you know, they're, they're, you can see that there are certain, certain influences of people playing these, these excellent versions of music within, um, you know, within churches. Um, but it also seems like just the way it moves, it just evokes a, a, a lot of feelings. Um, and it's, it's, it's very difficult to imagine, um, somebody that's like your, 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 uh, your primates out there, your monkeys being able to come up, come up with, um, something of this quality. I would argue that it's more likely just, um, the first era that we have records of music, like when they started to write down their work. And and so we have some record of it. Because it's not like we went from, you know, no music to Beethoven. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. And actually, I don't know, I don't think it was linked on the, the wiki here, um, but I saw something this week that was saying that music has been around longer than speech has been around for humans. Wow, really? Yeah, so we've been creating music since before we could speak to each other. Huh. Does that suggest that that's even the, an earlier form of communication we use? Like, not really a distinct idea, like um, that speech or writing would be able to convey, but, um, you know, just general feeling or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it definitely just the, the subtlety um, and sort of innateness of music to, to humans and species. And then the fact that this list starts at Renaissance says to me that this is when people are like, oh, we need to write this stuff down. Because <laughs> that's, that's when they started thinking of that in general. Yeah, I think I, I definitely agree. Like, older communities, music was passed down more. It was, it was definitely a communal thing, but it was more like everyone would just remember the song, continuously repeat them, sing them to their children, and so on. So it wasn't formalized, which is what I think what people think of when they think of classical music. It's, it's more of a formalized. Okay, should we move on to the others? All right. There's one more thing I want to say about classical music real quick. Also, one of the things about classical music, at least the only main thing that interests me, is that they seem like really obsessed with the complexity of 
more than the entertainment value or the, uh, I don't know, they, they seem to care a lot about the, almost the mathematics of it, how, how intricate can they make it. Which was pretty indicative of all forms of art at that time, not just art, academics too. I mean, in that period they were pretty obsessed with perfecting things and making them more complex. Yeah. And I mean, mm -hmm. uh, I was going to say, do we have any record of um, composers having dialogue and discussions with, like, uh, mathematicians or philosophers? Um, I don't know. When during the Renaissance, I mean, that's where we get the idea of the Renaissance man. Like, the the great thinkers of the time kind of did everything. They're cross-curricular. So it wouldn't surprise me, even though I don't have any specific research in this area, if the, if the composers were, in addition to that, mathematicians and scientists. Yeah. But I, I found that really cool, the mathematics behind it. Um, one of my favorite books is uh, Go to Asher Bach, and, you know, uh, him being able to um, piece together um, how uh, that the idea of things like recursions and, um, you know, that, that uh, any, any song with canon in there, um, it's very elegant in its mathematics. Well, that was, I, I kind of feel like that was their way of thinking at the time. Like, the idea of art for art's sake didn't really exist at that, at that point. And that might have to do with um, the way uh, the cultural renaissance was very, um, very much an elite thing. It was a very, it wasn't popularized for the entire population. Like that, it would trickle down to the rest of but the people we hear about tended to be uh, fairly wealthy figures. Mm -hmm. in that they, they, they sort of, uh, it, it always felt to me like when I read stories about it that it's kind of like a clique. Not, I mean, not in an insulting way, but they, they, they all seem to know each other and they all seem to like um, learn from each other. And that's how, and that's why like a lot of the Renaissance figures knew each other and communicated. I guess I think that sort of within that community, they wouldn't care that much about popular appeal because it, it, it's uh, it's like an academic institution. Which is actually a good segue into the the next um, prominent era is, is folk music. So do you think that maybe that was well, maybe it's not actually a reaction to it because um, folk music has actually probably been around for for a long time, but um, it is. It's almost like complimentary in that sense. Like it's not it's, rather than being this elitist type of music, music. It's it's the voice of the common people. Well, I think that um, it's sort of just how music is. I think that the two things exist concurrently, but we only think of the popular one at the time. So you have it, like in the nineties, you had pop music, Britney Spears, and NSYNC, and all that, and then that's the music that people think of of that era, but at the same time, you've had ska happening, really coming to existence at that time, and goth music, and, and you, you don't hear about those until after they take off more. When you look at musical eras of the past, well, they're only looking at one genre. There has to be other things that exist within that. Yeah, I mean, folk music, I'm not sure why. Yeah, I guess that what they're calling folk is what was popular as folk learning. I 
I mean, it, I mean, isn't folk music like always existed? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at least I mean that's what the the music that predated language would be, would be folk music, wouldn't it? <laughs> or or at least like old like villages in the twelve hundreds probably had folk music. No. I mean, the Romans probably had folk music. I don't think the Greeks didn't have music. I mean, the entire history of China. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it really has to do with the lyrics 
like the sound of it is just unpleasant. Like I don't listen to it long enough to get the lyrics because I can't stand to hear it for that long. I mean, every once in a while a song will come around that I can enjoy, but for the most part, no. Yeah. Um, so the the thing about country, I guess, is they they really what I think of country is always 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 like it it reminds me of the ladies in a way because at least a lot of songs I hear. I mean, they're, they're positive views, but they're talking about uh, kind of life stuff kind of attitude. Or, not, I don't know. <laughs> it, I wouldn't really say that the blues or country is really focused on, like, the darker side of life. I think it's just emotive. Yeah. Um, and with that, you tend to get the stronger emotions, like being sad if well, your dog died or whatever. <laughs> Um, you know, when you compare country and the blues to something like heavy metal or goth, I, it's hard to really see them as especially dark. Well, yeah. It's that it's, it's, they're telling sad stories, personal stories, is what I think of as a country. Um, and it's a story that, that's more significant than the way they tell it. But yeah, I guess yeah, the emotion. But it, it, I, I feel that there's something personal in the way they express it as stories, at least from what I know. And I, I think that would be the folk influence. Yeah. We good with that set? Yep. Yeah. All right. So 1940s um, and early 1950s, uh, Jill Rock came into play, rock and roll, and traditional pop. Um, First on, first on rock and roll, um, I didn't understand that there was a distinction between rock and roll and rock. <laughs> um, and Wikipedia has it, uh, with two, two different, as two different sets with different origins and, you know, different time, um, time frames. Um, but now that I think about it, it, it kind of makes sense too, because if, if your, your traditional rock and roll is your, um, your Chuck Berries and your Elvis, um, way back in the 1940s, um, and it mentions that it has influence of um, your, your country influence, your blues influence, pretty much everything in that pirate list uh, that we, <laughs> everything in, uh, earlier in the list that we talked about. So it's like the first, like, one that tried to, like, combine everything. Yeah, well, um, actually, I, in one of my history classes in college, we um, studied the history of music. And we actually looked at the difference between rock and roll and rock. And the major differences with rock and roll, um, white music and black music started to come together. And a lot of that was because um, Elvis was a big instigator of that, that brought um, the black culture into the white lives. And so there's sort of a mix of culture. But then as you go on, rock gets whitened out. So it's not rock and roll anymore, it's just rock. Because when you think of the great rockers, they're all white, generally speaking. Where when you think of rock and roll, there's more of the cultural mixing and um, mixing of eras and times and all that sort of thing. Whereas rock is very much its own thing, separate from everything else. So the role part was black, and later on that just turned into, well, I guess they carved out a niche for themselves with um 
uh, with hip hop and, and rap. Well, they, yeah. It's just that they needed, I don't know, well, I'm kind of set up with It's like they chose to change the name because they didn't want to be associated with okay. Oh, I don't know if they chose to change the name. I think that the names kind of come out reactively. Yeah, know? well. Like, it just became rock rather than like, now we're going to call it rock instead of rock and roll. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, uh, which, yeah, I don't think there's an individual who decided, but I feel like the society was trying to distinguish as well from mm-hmm. that old era where, uh, where there was cultural integration. But that's really and uh, with pop music, so this is, um, Wikipedia also made a distinction between traditional pop and um, uh, the Britney Spears types of pop that we're, we're thinking about nowadays. Um, so the traditional pop was more influenced from, like, Broadway, um, and its origins are um, uh, from, from swing. Um, and some of the examples that it has listed is uh, Frank Sinatra and Julie Andrews. Um, but I think uh, from... From my understanding of, of what ties in pop and traditional pop and what's why it's given that title is um, is because of its commercialization. Um, that it seems like you know like uh, that there that the message that they want to convey is that this music is great because everybody else listens to it, and it, it it's almost like um, as opposed to being spread through um, like in folk music from you know. From village to village, um, or from town to town, it's it's more like, hey, there's you, now you're directly tied into this wave of, um, uh, uh, you know, the, the popular thing that you can instantaneously like, you know, like hear about, and and it just catches on. Mm-hmm. Well, and and at this point, this is when you started having like recognizable radio stars, which you didn't really have before because you didn't have, you know, the radio so much or or um, Actually, the idea of the road trip really brought music more centrally into the lives of people. Um, so at this point, you have, you have everyone on radio, everyone has radio in their car, so everyone's listening to music, so they're starting to recognize specific singers. Um, and there's also a large variety of types of music and more people making music and, you know, making a living off of it. And music appearing in movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never really thought of Frank Sinatra as pop. Well, that's that's why they drew that distinction yeah. between traditional pop and yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, they kind of have a, a strange labeling system. <laughs> <laughs> but well, we can roll with it. But the the, the 1950s in general seems like it's very like the, all those things that we just just talked about about you know the road trips um, the making big names um, if you look at some of the other um, genres that that came into play so yeah traditional pop and like contemporary pop um, being created around that time you had rock um, and your I guess your your uh, your uh, and that imagery of having a road trip is, is just like blaring the or rock music in a, on the radio or in, a, um, in your car. Um, what does rock music, how would you describe that? Because there are so many like subgenres of it that it seems like it, um, it, it seems like if it was, it was, you know, kind of like 
uh, a, uh, a central point? Uh, it seems, I don't know, I think it's kind of impossible to like articulate what a specific genre of music is. You know, all you can really do is like give examples. You can say where it came from, but you can't be like, ah, so rock music is like this. And, um, well, I kind of feel it's an expression of freedom, though. Um, so if we're saying, you know, this is this is about Western music, right? Um, it rocks. It, it seems like if if it were, I don't think it would have been. Uh, I don't think it could have been born in you know in like China or in <laughs> uh, or in Russia. You know, um, that there's almost this sense of. Um, uh, people being able to express and fully expressing themselves. Yeah, I definitely think that's sort of the symbolism that marketing rock tries to present like uh, an idea of freedom, uh, self-expression. In fact, I think that's kind of been what they've been rehashing over and over again <laughs> is this whole, like, the, like, the music industry of each new genre this is the new creed. This is what it means to be Yahoo. <laughs> so progressive. I don't know. But again, I'm very cynical about it. <laughs> okay, we still have a few more in this list. Uh, Alright, so moving along the 1960s, um, I was surprised that psychedelic rock was, um, seemed like it had a lot more, a lot of influences in later music, so that's why I kind of picked that one out. Um, so that's in the 1960s, um, funk also around that era, and disco, um, and heavy metal. <laughs> Guys, have any thoughts about <laughs> any of those disco? Uh, I mean, they're not, disco almost is like, <laughs> take away the, uh, you definitely take away, well, there still could be some story aspect behind it, but it's more about the, uh, the dancing and the movement and the, um, uh, the, the beat too. Yeah, I don't know. I wonder how much of that is because people cared for the music and how much of it was just the cultural trend. I think these are like, these ones are heavily influenced by drugs. I don't feel like 
listen to the ones that I listed there? Yeah. Uh, they sound familiar to me. <laughs> the titles, but I don't remember anything. But I know that I have heard hip hop songs that are <laughs> hip hop rather than jazz, uh, rather than rap, though. Yeah. Well, see, these all blur together in my mind. What? So, what makes hip hop hip hop versus R and B? Versus R and B. I think um, hip hop is just tied to. Um, like they, they say that the, 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 the first defining hip hop song was the, the message from Grandmaster Flash. And uh, hip hop seems like had it has a stronger tie to um, the lifestyle of the inner city. And I think R and B is, you know, it has its um, it's more it's closer to the to the pop side. Okay. I would hesitate to define a musical genre lyrically because you know Yeah, it was only because the only reason why it had to mention it is um, uh, 
uh, I had email as I mentioned, and it was a direct. Yeah, I was if, if I was drawing a flowchart, mm -hmm. maybe it was there so I could connect the notes. Right, it means string. Yeah, because like the cure is an alternative. It's sort of goth and REM defined sort of the alternative genre, but then it splits off in so many directions from there. You know, and then and then alternative is sort of the label that gets slapped on anything that is mainstream now. Like you have the mainstream music and then you have alternative music. So maybe it's the well this this list cuts off at nineteen eighty, so maybe it's the uh, there there has been quite a lot of um um new developments in music since then. Well, I don't even think emo comes in the eighties. Like I, I I don't feel like emo happened until recently. Yeah. I think they're sort of labeling certain types of punk rock and, and um, you know, other types of alternative rock as emo. But emo as a genre didn't happen until after post-punk. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, would, emo is very recent. It doesn't yeah. really make sense if emo was based on indie rock and indie rock is based on alternative, but they're all 1980s and what was Alternative in January and then in February and in Iraq and then in March and Iraq. Something like that. <laughs> so Wikipedia says uh, emo cultural origins mid 1980s, but mainstream popularities in the 2000s. Well, emo is a bastardization of punk rock. It, it crisifies the punk rock genre. I have a lot of respect for emo. I don't know if you're picking up on the subtleties of what I'm saying here. <laughs> A lot of the labeling, I just feel, is unnecessary. Yeah, I'm not really, I don't know, it's like it's too broad and kind of too specific at the same time. I mean, but just, not just this list, I mean, there seems to be a yearning to always, like, whenever a new artist comes out, to say, this person, this group, <laughs> we'll call him emo artist or techno or something <laughs> I don't know if all the all there's more labels than you act than you need, and the labels start to lose meaning. I I kind of feel like the labeling musical genres a a means to sell it, you know, sort of like genreizing. If that's the word, um, but like we created the different genres of books to make it easier to sell them in bookstores. I wonder if music is the same way. Like, we've labeled these different genres to better sell them. Yeah, and I, and I feel like the more commercial we get, the more we, we try to come up with more and more labels <laughs> to be able to sell to different groups that way. That's part of the competition. In, in books, like, we have this too, new genres pop up, like, mm -hmm. urban fantasy and all this one I hear, which I've never heard of before. Mm -hmm. But then at the same time, it's also helpful because if you hear a band and you like their sound, then you want to find more stuff that's in a similar vein. And with the explosion of people making music, I almost feel like labels are at least a little bit necessary. Making use Pandora. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, rather than labels and tags, <laughs> tag well, I, I mean, I don't know how Pandora works. But I, I got the impression that they use a lot of more specific characteristics. Well, I kind of feel like Pandora's um, 
people that have noticed artists that aren't on there that I wish were. But the idea more than Pandora's story itself, maybe there was like with the level of complexity that uh, the vocation we have with computer technology, we don't necessarily have to have the words. They, the words for the genres will help us talk about them, but we can actually specify what characteristics of the sound are there and actually compare a new song to an existing two to these categories. Determine this is like ninety percent similar. Well, it's works for people who like understand music enough to identify what they like about something. And they're like, I don't know, man. I just like the beat. Like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Google the beat music. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, but I mean, you could just say, well, I like songs like this, and it could give you. So this one has a similar beat. You like this? No. This one has similar lyrics. You like this? No, you can do like a, a shoe drawing adventure kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> you like. So, what kind of music do you guys like now that we've talked about all the different types? I think I'm all over the place. One quick question now about the genre. Where do the Beatles play? Rock and roll. They're rock and roll. Okay. Yeah, I like the Okay. There's some elements that, um, I guess that later parts like John Lennon might have done. Uh, soft rock. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah. My favorite. Yeah, I don't have a song. Well, and Chen. Rock these terms, but I like I like silly music. I like dark music. Yeah, I define my own genre. I've written songs <laughs> about these. Like I like happy dark songs, which is one of my favorites. Was basically I like songs that are really up. Tons of files on the like uh, college network drives, and uh, 
then I did, I came across like everybody's uh, 80s list. Um, so that's when I, I picked up like 80 songs, instrumental songs um, from video game influences um, and acapella because, you know, that's big on the college scene too. Um, and then later, well, later part of my 20s is, uh, you know, when um, I think it was the, the, it was the, the introduction to rock band and uh, that, that, that really just influenced me to actually explore rock more. And uh, and that's where I appreciate a lot of a lot of different um, bands around that uh, around that time frame and that and that, that genre. Mm-hmm. I stopped so, listening to the radio when I was fourteen. <laughs> well, I don't. I think I, I stopped. I listen to the radio a lot now, but much less so for music. Yeah. But when I was a kid, I used to listen. To the, like the only time I listened to music on the radio was when I was going on road trips and basically. Whatever my parents were playing, what I heard. But for me, like back when I was in college, the only thing I really liked was anime music and video games <laughs> for the most part. But I, I never really seek out music. Music has been really a big thing for me. I probably enjoy music more today than I ever have in the past. So I'm more familiar with more different types of music. Mm-hmm. See, I was kind of raised, like, when I was younger, I wasn't allowed to listen to the the regular radio stations. Like, I was allowed to listen to, um, like, Christian music, and then my mom listened to oldies. So I was sort of raised on Christian music and oldies. And then in, in like, later middle school, beginning of high school, I was allowed to listen to regular secular music. And then I did that for, you know, two years, and I was like, oh, this stuff is terrible. So... <laughs> So, so then I started, you know, finding my own music, and this was before, like, or when you can still find stuff online, um, but they weren't suing people for thousands of dollars for downloading it yet. So there were lots of, of file sharing websites out there, or, or um, where you can just listen to the music on demand and not have to watch ads or pay for it. Um, <laughs> it's a, a beautiful time, nostalgic, really. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and that's, <laughs> like, I, for, as long as I've been really choosing to listen to my own music, I've found it almost exclusively online, and from recommendations from other people. And my friends make fun of me, because we'll be in the car, and they'll have their radio on, and they turn it up, and everyone's singing along, and they're like, what, what's wrong, Hayden? I'm like, I have no idea what song is that. Or if we go out to, to a bar or something. Everyone would be like, oh, I, I hate this song. It's so overplayed. I've like, never heard it in my life. <laughs> you, you chose to allow it to be overplayed for you. Um, but I, I'm kind of glad that I was raised on uh, oldies music more than anything else because it, I feel like it gave me greater appreciation for the different types of music. Kellen, you also mentioned that uh, that you would listen to a lot of stuff that your, your parents did. Did you like it back then? And, like, is it stuff that you would still listen to now? I'm, I'm very much not particular, so yeah, I liked it. A lot of it was R&B, um, jazz, um, mostly, um, rock, some of it. Um, like, I also, like, I, I, when I was, a few times I've been to church, not that often, but there's always music there, gospel music or some other, I don't know what kind of music they sing, hymns, they sing. 
I like this. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I like it, but it's not like I have any interest in listening to this again. <laughs> it's like, that was fine, but if I listen to it again, fine, but it's not, not. <laughs> Same thing whenever I listen to the radio. The only thing is, like, I definitely have that overplayed Especially if the lyrics bother me. Like, if there's something about the lyrics that don't make sense, <laughs> and then the song gets played a million times, then it will start to bother me. Like, the first time, it doesn't make sense, whatever. People make songs that don't make sense all the time. <laughs> but then if I hear it, like, the tenth time on the radio, I'm already like, I'm never turning to this station again. <laughs> but that's the thing with the radio, is like that. They constantly repeat the same songs over and over. And well, and you don't really have a choice about it either. Like, you can't, it's not like you decided to listen to the same song seven times in a row, which I'll admit I've done before. Um, <laughs> it's, Only it's seven? Like, I'm um, being conservative. Um, <laughs> but with the radio, like, you have no choice. Like, they just play whatever songs they're going to play for you, and you have, like, 12 to choose from. So you hear these same songs every hour. And then people are still, when they have request time, people are still calling in these requests. The same songs, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Pirates, Party in the USA. Really? We played that five minutes ago. Yeah. Like, I had the experience um, that I had no idea who Justin Bieber was. No idea. <laughs> I just, like, I saw people, like, twittering about it and people mentioning him in his YouTube videos. I was like, what is a Justin Bieber? I don't want to understand. I made a point to go out and find find one of his songs. But I never did that. I and, uh, at one point it was playing on the radio. I actually, at this exact moment, 
I have no viewers on my iPod. Okay. <laughs> you have a spirit of depression. Yeah, I know, but technically, I have an iPhone and it has zero songs on it. And I gave my iPod to my roommate and she put all her songs on it. Kelly, so. Katie is looking for uh, the parallel to your um, Desperate Housewives. <laughs> Joke. 
No laughs. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, I was thinking six long after a while. Like, <laughs> they're so sad. I mean, it's like, I guess as you get older, you want to relive your past because you feel like you have less time left. Your past is where you had your great experiences. I wonder if it's not so much that the old people have trouble with it as it is that the old people we have now, when they were younger, had far less variety in their music. And then now we have so much new music, and it's it's hard to access if you don't know how to do it, um, and the way of accessing music has changed so much, and I wonder if it were an easier process, or if there, there wasn't such a huge selection of it, it might be easier, because the only easily accessible stuff is, like, the top 40 crap, and who wants to listen to that, like, if I were old, I'd say, forget this, because it's what I say now. <laughs> You know, and that's the, and and when they started listening to music, you turned on your radio, and that was the music. And now you turn on your radio, and and here's a very small portion of the actual music you could go out there and find and listen to. I could, um, I think the, the the way that I would end up not liking music in the future is if I see um, a movement toward um, like the 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 the, the 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 type and the genre of the music that I I used to like in the past just creating and changing its form in the future. And I think some of that is starting to happen with um, with hip hop. because um, oh that's a I guess you could tap into that playlist um, for some of the more embarrassing things. Um, like I do have some um, like hardcore Jay Z and, and and Tupac songs on there. Um, but you know, like way back in, in the seventies and eighties and I guess nineties even was when like you really got into um, uh, the message behind the, the hip-hop songs were much more uh, evocative and intense, you know, and it, it related to the struggles that people were going through. And now that you listen to rap and hip-hop songs nowadays, they're all about, um, like, living up a glitzy life, you know, you have the billionaire song, you have, like, um, uh, you have, like, I'm on a boat, <laughs> you know, um, and, it's, it's, and, and you have a lot of more songs that are about happy things. And I'm wondering what, like, where, where's all the pain? Where's all the, you know, the things from the back? Where's all the struggle? Um, I have seen in media in general, there's been a major turn in the last year or so um, towards the happy. Like, everything got so dark for a while. Like, after 9-11 until a couple of years ago, everything was dark, everything was gritty. Like, the music was, was harsher and... And the TV shows were darker, and the movies were darker. And then, just recently, everything shifted to happy. You know, so so we have Justin Bieber and we have Glee, and we have all of that kind of stuff. And I I think that as a culture, we're sick of dark and gritty. We're we're sick of the angst. Like we've been broke for too long. There's been too much war for too long. There's been all of this other crap for just too long. We're tired of it. We're just going to pretend to be happy, even if nothing's better right now, because we're just tired of dealing with Show tunes. I definitely see that. But as far as older people, that thing that 
language and music to, uh, to politics. And I think, yeah, the music is just one manifestation. So if you do this survey of older versus younger now, you might see a bigger gap in terms of what older people are willing to accept. And if you, so I don't know how this scientific study was done, but if you did it in yeah. well, I think it's because I guess because people are living longer and things are changing faster. And that broadens the gap. Yeah, definitely. I actually feel that um, there are elements of music that it, it uh, I can actually connect better um, when like talking about music um, with you know folks of the older generation and um, outside of just just um, listening to the and liking the the, the songs of, of the you know the sixties and the seventies even uh, there's also like the the remix factor right that you could possibly strike up a conversation that way um, that people like in the, the newer artists just take elements and beats and and, and lyrics um, from way back when and just incorporate it into their, their songs nowadays but I almost get the feeling that a lot of the people who listen to this don't realize that it was you know had very strong influence from from a prior song mm -hmm. yeah I mean if you really listen to the different sounds of music like you can see where it goes backwards Time. Like if you look at Big Real Fish, which is a ska band, you can see the jazz influence and, and you can see the classical influence if you know how to listen. Well, I just wanted to pose one super quick question, which is sure. if, the, if the gap between the young and the old is being caused by, in part because of how quickly things are changing now as opposed to how things were changing in the past, are we, are younger people so much more adapted to a changing environment than when we're older, maybe we will still, maybe we'll still be good at adapting <laughs> to the point that we'll still like newer music? Maybe. I think maybe. that's going to be a crotchety old person. <laughs> nah, I think, I, I think that, I, it calibrates a good point. I think we're going to be really cool parents that can totally relate to, to our children. Yeah, no, not me. You're stuck in my ways. <laughs> you damn kids, get off my lawn. You're fucking music. Can't even understand the lyrics. That's going to be me. All right, then. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what I'm going to be like. But I'm just yeah, curious. About. Yeah, I'm just too much of a snob to, like, you know, really like anybody else's stuff. <laughs> Yeah, but if there are new artists coming out with stuff that, that's still your stuff, <laughs> kind of stuff, you'll like them. No, the mm -hmm. mere fact that they're new would make you the point. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I just wonder if, if the music will still be likable, in my opinion, at that point. Because music is very different now than it was 40 years ago. You know, it sounds completely different. Like, rock now doesn't sound like rock then. And, and that sort of thing. So I just wonder how much it changes and in what direction it'll change and whether I'll still personally find it likable at that point. Yeah, I think the commercial music is going to uh, always suck unless <laughs> the culture changes pretty radically. But not sure what youth will be looking for, looking at in the future will be the most commercialized music. Yeah, so if we ever answer the question of what why, what makes music great then? Like, if you say commercial music is going to always suck, is it that, um, 
music for for the the art itself and um and music for music's sake is 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 that what makes music what makes music great? I would say that the popular music is not actually music but is a product. Hmm. Because it's it's written in a formula by you know, professional songwriters that have been hired to write songs that will be popular. And the music is created in the same way as as a specific formula that will be popular. And then they pick a pretty person to put on the cover, but they don't write their own music. They don't even really sing their own music. And it's just all this prepackaged thing that's automatically people are going to like it because it has the right melodies and the right lyrics that are big enough to be able to apply to everyone. And like, and so I don't even, I don't even think of it as music. It's not music. It's a product. It's as much a product as a Twinkie. Like, yes, yeah. someone made it, but there's nothing to it. The Twinkie to 
real music. They just listen to prepackaged stuff that all sounds the same. Like, there are plenty of people who think they like music, but they don't actually know what music is. Like, people who say, like, oh, I like, I like pretty much everything. And you're like, uh, oh, yeah? And you like techno? No.
why why people listen to music the way they do. Because it seems to me that people who kind of only listen to the radio, like, they don't really ever seem to love a band, you know? They're not, like, hardcore fans of this one band for 10 years or anything like that. Like, they love it right now. The next year, they'll be like, oh, yeah, that was fine, but I don't really want to listen to them anymore. Um, and that they sort of take something and chew on it for a while and then move on to the next new thing. And I think a lot of that is because it does, it is all kind of the same. And so, like, why would you love this band more than that band when they're pretty much the same? Is there any kind of, any particular band where, like, okay, you're going to a coffee shop, you want to get some work done, you walk in and this band is playing, what band is enough to make you turn around and leave? Yeah. So, 
first bands that I found after I stopped listening to the radio. So, they've been my favorite band for like nine years. Wow. <laughs> right now, I don't really have a favorite. <laughs> I mean, but like you were saying earlier, but I'm not a person who's listened to so much of the radio that I lost interest. It's just that I never listened to music at all growing up. <laughs> Yeah, well, I know I must have been a couple of years ago now when I was doing kind of the music stuff 
on my blog. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I, I remember that, and I was like, there's a specific way you have to listen to a song <laughs> to really appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the first time you hear it, you just have to block everything else out and just feel it. And then you got to find the lyric and listen to it again. And listen to it one more time just for good measure. And then you really have a sense of the song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and for me, like, that's, that's how I feel about it. And and I don't just love the lyrics. And I don't just like the, the music. I feel like they really come together. And and the, the best music utilizes both the, the lyrics and the musical aspect. Like, a really um, obvious one that's just sort of an easy example is, is there's um a Jack's Mannequin song singing about California in the summer or, or at the beach in California something. and then there's a quick little line in the song that's a melody from a Beach Boys song you know so that both the music and the lyrics are kind of interacting with each other I mean, and that's a really easy like obvious example but you say it obvious example, but I would have never <laughs> recognized it. I didn't something like that. But um, the experience in music I have had uh, definitely noticed that certain songs at certain times like when I'm really depressed or something that the experience of the music is helpful. So it, it is something like I will shut everything and it's not necessarily one song, but it might be like a whole set of songs that, that convey it very well. In the glow from the sunset caught the big disco ball and Okay, that about wraps that up. Apologies again for the poor sound quality. Hopefully you survived. The next episode will be posted shortly. It's a massive six-person discussion about the nature of television and why, in my opinion, it sucks. I uh, hope you can join us, and thanks for listening, everyone. And the room was ablaze with the fiery rays While the frozen air blew through the cracks And our bodies are frozen in time And our bodies are frozen in time Our bodies are frozen in time And our bodies are frozen in time